Let's go to the word. Hebrews eleven twenty seven. He left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is visible. Amen. God is spirit. Altogether, God is spirit. God is spirit. God is spirit. John four twenty four. God is spirit. Therefore, he is invisible. Even though he is invisible, however, he exists. So, First uh, Timothy one seventeen says, "The King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God." So we have to believe that the invisible God exists, even though we cannot see Him with our naked eyes. That He exists. How many of you believe that God exists? Last week we said God is who? The God who lives. Yes. Even though He is invisible, He lives. And the same idea. Even though He's invisible, He exists. Um, and because he is spirit and he exists, even though he's invisible, to those who live like they see him. They live each and every day like they see him, as we just read about Moses, right? Who persevered uh, because God, he believed in the God who was invisible. He will reveal one day himself when he comes back. So Hebrews 9.24 says, he is to appear for us. Uh, in God's presence, uh, 9.24, 9.27 says, He will appear second time, not to bear sin, but to bear to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So the, so the God who is spirit will reveal himself, appear to the eyes of those who live as though he is seen. So faith is to believe in the invisible God. Do you believe in the invisible God? Are you sure? So that's what we come. We've been shouting and praying and, and praising. Um, and that's not to make ourselves feel better. It's not for our neighbor. It's not even for our own self. It's for God who is present here. Though he is spirit, he exists, and he lives. So we believe in the invisible one. We don't stop there. But faith allows us to believe in other invisible beings. Invisible beings uh, and we believe in the invisible world, which we're going to go over in a few minutes. So therefore, faith life is to be patient. Be patient. Because we don't see him. We have to be patient and we have to endure. Just as we read in the passage there in Hebrews eleven twenty seven, 27. But also James 5, 8 says, be patient and stand firm. What do we need to do? Be patient and stand firm. Because... The Lord's coming is near. That's the resounding message and the word as we go towards the end of the Bible. We'll get there. We'll get there. Once you swim out of the desert and then go through the prophetic books, you'll get there. Yes? So by the time you get to the book of James, you're going to read that and say, Yes, the Lord is coming. I'm almost done with the Bible reading. It will happen. Keep at it. Be patient and stand firm for the Lord's coming is near. How many of you believe that? That's what the Bible says. We believe in the Bible who test, that testifies about the invisible God. We must believe that he is coming back according to his promise. So we have to endure, persevere, and live each day before the invisible God as though we see him. As though we see him. Um, people will say, well, I don't believe in God because I don't see him. I don't believe Jesus because I don't see him. So people think that they will believe something when they see something. But if you think about it, there are a lot of things in the world that we acknowledge that they exist, even though our naked eyes don't see them, right? So, for example, there is air here, 
right? The oxygen fills this room. That's why we're breathing and alive. Um, we don't need faith for that. We just take that as just fact and accept it, even though we don't see it. Not only that, you are hearing my voice through um, the sound system that's projecting my voice uh, so that it could fill up this room, and it's through sound waves. Um, also, there are radio waves. There's so many things going on in this room that we don't see, um, and they exist, and we accept them. Not only that, when we are actually sleeping, um, we dream, right? So when you dream... You see things, uh, and you are in some place, and you are meeting with some people and doing things while you're physically lying down. So you may be um, just still in, uh, physically, but something is happening in your brain and in, in, your, in, in your sleep that you are seeing another world, that dream, um, the dream world. Um, and we know that uh, sometimes when you wake up from a dream, it's like so vivid, and you can break into cold sweats if it's nightmare or if it's something... Usually it's nightmare, isn't it? It's not like, ah, oh, it's a sweet dream. It's usually like, oh, that kind of dream. Um, but it's so real. Uh, although it's not something that you see physically. Um, but connected to that is what we experience in the internet called the cyber world. Um, and uh, you can obviously do Google search and, you know, do you go on YouTube and things like that, social media. But if you want to really uh, be immersed in the experience of the cyber world, uh, you have something called virtual reality or augmented reality. So people can put on those goggles and actually go in it, in it and experience. And then extreme end will be like the Matrix. Sorry, I keep on talking about the movie, but it's actually uncanny because the book, it was based on a book and it was actually from... I believe in the 70s or 80s, uh, the, uh, it was just, I think it was a small book, but, and then the, the movie was written on that. But it's, um, it's very technological, but it's also very philosophical. It's questioning what reality is, basically, our relationship with reality. So our, the way that humans understand reality is through what's called five senses. Anyone know what the five senses are? Sight, hearing, taste, smell, and touch, right? Um, then people add other things like spatial uh, 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 awareness and balance and things like that. But those are the five major human senses. Um, they say touch is like the first thing to develop. Um, but out of mo most of the senses, the most complex process of understanding reality is perhaps the sight. Um, because sight, is, it goes through many steps for the information to go up to the brain. So uh, humans tend to be very visual because our eyes are set and our brain is well-developed compared to, uh, you know, other animals. Um, but then hearing is very important, too. Like a lot, most animals, it's, it's a hearing. Um, but obviously there are uh, birds, like, who are very, uh, their vision is well-developed. But for humans, um, the way we understand is that uh, the world is through what we see, and what we see is through the light, so the light that was hitting you just a minute ago, it's no longer now, right? So the light, um, but it's, even if it's not hitting you directly, we are still seeing things because of light. And when, um, when light is um, coming, it's actually being ref uh, bounced off from objects. Some colors are being absorbed and some colors are being reflected. So the light um, actually travels through the eye and then, bear with me. So uh, through the cornea, uh, the light travels into the cornea and then your iris works like the shutter, uh, camera shutter, so it kind of, shrinks or opens up depending on the light uh, intensity and then it will hit the uh, it go through the lens and hit the back of the eye called retina and retina actually has about 100 million tiny cells um, called rods and cones i keep on calling them like i keep on thinking of like a rock band rods and cones but rods and cones are these like nerve cells in the back 
that are actually helping to process information, the light. And then, uh, so cones are for colors, uh, to see color, the colors in the world. And rods are more um, to allow us to see depth, perception, um, and low vision. Um, so then, um, then uh, it's, it's, it travels, the light travels into the electric, ascent uh, to the electrical uh, imp, uh, pul- uh, pulses to the brain. Uh, through the optical nerves into the brain, and the brain makes sense of what we're seeing. Do you realize how complex the, vi- the, the, the vision is and how um, advanced this brain is? Thank you, Yeshua. Yes, yeah. So even though you take it for granted, that's what's happening. So this is how we're understanding our world through uh, vision. Um, and what about that light? Without light, uh, we will not be able to tell left from right anything uh, in this world. Um, and the light itself is uh, often thought of as... Um, well, it, the definition, I noticed that now there is a definition for uh, light, and it says it is electromagnetic radiation that can be detected by the human eye. So that's interesting. So it, the human eye detects light. So without the eye, you don't know light, and this light has no meaning. But because you have the eyes that see, light makes sense, and because you have light, you can see things, and you can make sense of reality. So... Um, so we, uh, we actually, our eyes are very sensitive to narrow band of electromagnetic waves uh, known as a visible light spectrum. So this is what scientists are saying, that we actually see visible light. There's light that we see, visible light, and then there's the light that we don't see, invisible light. So the visible light is like the prism and then the colors, a rainbow comes out, right? So you have spectrum from red to violet, right? So you have those colors going, so it's a spectrum. Um, and... Uh, we see colors because the color is being absorbed and you will see like my jacket is like a, a beige or yellow because that color is being um, bounced off. So that's the only color that we see everything else is being absorbed. So white color, which is the color of light, is like mixture of all the lights. It's like the rainbow colors all together, you see white light. Black is like having no light at all. So it's all um, absorbed and there's nothing bouncing off. Um, so when you see something called blue light... We talk about blue light or light, right? So you have to get extra, you have to pay extra $50 for a blue light lens thing. And I say, is that a scam? They looked at me like, I was like, do I have to pay for $50 for the lens? Anyway, so because we're staring at devices a lot, it's giving up blue light. So blue light is important for our health, but too much of it can strain the eyes and cause retina damage uh, and some other uh, issues. Uh, it, it can be very, because it's very, it has great uh, energy. So what is the non-visible light? Non-visible light is, includes um, radio, infrared, ultraviolet, x-ray, gamma ray. Sounds all scary, right? Because they're very strong. So so um, you, the one end of the spectrum is the infrared light, um, and it's too red for humans to see, so we don't see it. But if you put special goggles or lens on at night, right, the thermal like energy, anything that has warm blood, you can see, you can detect. So like the troops, like, uh, soldiers, when they're combat, they put these, the night, night goggles on, and they can pick up there's movement of some creature, humans or animals. Um, so that's one end of the spectrum. But the other end of the spectrum is x-ray light. So when you go to your dentist's office, they tell you it's time for your x-ray. And they ask you, like, you have any other, if you're pregnant, whatever, you can't take that because it's actually so powerful that it goes deep into your muscles and your bones to see what's going on. Um, and that it is actually a very powerful tool, but at the same time, it could be dangerous to the body. Um, the sun itself is emitting x-ray but we have a very thick atmosphere that prevents us from getting exposed to that. So these non-visible light um, can be, like ultraviolet light can be, 
uh, cause sunburn and even skin cancer. So you need to put sunscreen on. So the spectrum of light, light is very important. It is true. And people who live in the Nordic countries where they have so many hours of night, they need to be exposed to the light and they need the vitamin D. So they actually have artificial light that they go, the lamp to go in there because so they don't, you know, suffer depression and the skin issues so they need the exposure to light so light is good on one end and we do need light for all vegetation life to go on but the extreme end of light is uh, harmful so all of that includes visible and invisible light yet we're talking about light that is part of the material world so even though this is the way we physical bodies understand the world not everything is visible not everything is understood through our eyes. We have to also assume there are these other things that are invisible that exist. Now, what does the Bible tell us about God being invisible yet existing and that he reveals himself as the existing God who um, is spirit? Unless he reveals himself, we don't know him because he's invisible, right? So we understand from the Bible uh, that he's been doing this all along. Let's go to Romans 1.19 to see that. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God is God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. So what does it say? Since the creation of the world, what has been revealed? God's invisible qualities. That's right. So when we see the world, everything, anything that we see, and thanks to the light that we have from the sun, and that's the natural light, and certainly there's artificial light. But we have these eyes to also detect the light and therefore know our, have, uh, understand our reality. All of that was placed for us to know God who is invisible. His invisible qualities have been revealed to us, therefore, through the created world. So the world that has been made by God, who is spirit, who is invisible, reveals his existence. How many of you believe that? So when you see things, you are to understand, wow, how did this come about? Not through a natural random process, but rather by a designer, a a being that planned all along. According to his design and his plan, he made them all and he is God. How many of you believe this? Yes, that is the faith in the creator God. So the world that I talked about, the way we understand the world is because of light. And you take away light, you don't see and you don't know. And your, your perception of reality is then very different. All right, so what you think is like so solid and so tangible, then you begin to question. It's like, what is my understanding? So you may think like philosophers who sit around and talk about this and think about it. They have nothing else better, nothing better to do. That's why they're sitting around and writing about this. But they're actually deep thinkers. That's why they're called thinkers because they're thinking and questioning about the senses and the senses that we feel. It's like it's the information that my, our body is sending to our uh, brain. Um, but it is very... Um, one way and it is very limited it's just very physical the physical world has been made by the invisible god and the bible has been testifying that all along so all things there uh, refer to the the earth all the planets everything in this planet uh, including the sun the planet um, the light the sunlight the visible and invisible all the rays good and the bad the strong and the weak all of those things are part of what the world calls nature so when we see the all things and when we see what is called nature uh, as science some scientists go deeper and examine how these things work 
the more one examines, the more one will find the proof of the Creator. So that's why, the, among uh, very well-renowned and competent um, scientists, there's a group of them insisting what's called intelligent design. So intelligent design is like you could not have made this, you could not have this come about just spontaneously on its own, just throwing millionaires there and billionaires there and abracadabra and then bada bing bada boom voila you have the world it doesn't happen like that because things are so precise and so um exact um, that you cannot have this by random chance but rather it is by design so the more you look into it the more proof you have of the creator and this uh is the visible world so this is called the material heaven what is it called and that is the atmosphere where we are surrounding the earth, planet, but also the universe. So the universe is called the second heaven. What kind of heaven? Second heaven. The sky is called the first heaven. So all the, all the, the, um, uh, all the space that we know as the universe is referred to as the material heaven, the visible world. But what the Bible also says is that there is invisible world. And in the invisible world, as um, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, second, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 12, verses 2 to 4, is about the third heaven. So we got the first heaven, the second heaven within the universe and outside the universe because the universe is finite. It's finite in its space and its limit, its time limit. But outside of it is the third heaven. And that's where the Father's house is. That's where paradise is. How many of you know this? Logos, I got this. Yes? Yes. Amen. So uh, what the world says about this um, invisible world is this is a spiritual heaven. Spiritual place where God um, governs and angels are. And that's the place where we are promised to go when we believe in God. If we believe in God and follow him. Follow Yeshua all the way there. Hallelujah. So the, world, um, the worlds are invisible, in, uh, invisible, but also beings can be divided into two. There are visible beings like animals, creatures, and humans. But there are also invisible beings. Namely, angels. Angels, right? So angels, um, spirits. And of course, if you took logos, you're going to know all, there are all kinds of spirits. There's the evil spirits, the spirits of the world, the, the corrupted angels, or, and demons, deceiving spirits. The whole lot of them, right? So there are angels, spirits. These are invisible beings. But humans were also made to be, uh, come, spiritual beings. Now, when God made the world in six days, on day six, God made creatures um, that um, crawl or they're, they're on, on land, um, but also humans. He made them male and female. So let's go to Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created them, male and female, he created them. So this is talking about the first human and God made male and female. So he made a man and woman and he blessed them to multiply. So this happened in day six of creation. That's the last day of God's creation. And the seventh he finished and, and God entered his rest by blessing and making holy. Um, so the, the sixth day of creation is over then. The last day there, God is making the first humans. And they were made from the same material the animals were made in the same day, which is from the dust of the ground. So this flesh comes from dust. And then at the end of this life, it returns to dust. It's just a cycle of life for the creatures that come from dust. So that's the first human, male and female, in the image of God, he made them. Whose image? The image of God, in the image of God. Then 
among so many uh, they the the uh, the male and female uh, began to procreate. So many people then um, uh, filled the earth, and among them, God chose one. So let's go to Genesis two seven and what He did with that one man. Two seven. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. God is spirit. Wow, someone's paying attention. God is spirit. So his breath is spirit. Yes, it's not our morning breath. Thank God. Yeah, our morning breath, ugh, yeah, it's toxic. Yeah, yeah. because our body is toxic, basically. It's just breathing good, breathing in good stuff and letting out bad stuff. Eating good stuff and letting out bad stuff. So that's our body. But God is spirit. When he breathed his breath, which is called the breath of life, spirit came out of him and entered man who was made in the image of God, the flesh man. Now the flesh man received the spirit. He is called what? A living being. And he is our ancestor. His name is Adam. So these three things are the same. Um, Adam, living being, and simply soul. So I come from him. We all come from him. So I am a living being. Say together. I am a living being. Tell your, tell your neighbor, you are a living being. That's right. Which means we are spirit with flesh. We are spirit with flesh. There are spiritual beings like angels that have no flesh, but we have flesh. So we're called living being. Angels are not called living being, but man, uh, man is called living being from then on. So you got a group of men uh, who were uh, made in day six of creation, not having received spirit from God. They continue to multiply. One of them, God breathed his breath and made him a living being, a spiritual being in the flesh. And he also uh, had uh, uh, um, his uh, wife, Eve, comes from his body, also a spiritual being. And they uh, procreate um, after they leave uh, the garden. So we have different groups. God didn't make two, but God made one. Just pulling one of them, he made him into a living being. So then we see... before he is cast out of the garden, in the garden, he is given the word, the command to obey and live by, but he was deceived. Adam was deceived and he took the forbidden fruit. And as a result, as God said, if you eat of it, you will certainly die. You will surely die. That warning was for the spirit, not the flesh. As a result, sin entered the spirit and to make it a reality, God kicked him out of the garden and put a flaming sword and showed that he could not return there. Now he's been cut off from God. Not only him, but all men coming after him meaning all men in Adam, all of us. So all of us inherited spirit from Adam, but all uh, along with the spirit, what else? Sin, Romans 5, 12 says, right? So all of us in- inherited sin in the spirit. Therefore, all men became destined to follow our, uh, the ancestor into hell, which is the price of sin. What's the price of sin? Matthew 25, 41. To show that as a reality and really the worthlessness of the flesh body, the visible body, there was a great disaster event called the deluge, the global flood, if you will. We have to say global because people come up and say, oh, it was a local flood. And the Bible says the entire earth was drowned uh, when God sent the rain, but it was rain from above, but water from below. There was water everywhere, and that drowned everything that breathed through his nostrils, creatures and humans, except for Noah and his family who built the ark uh, to be saved. So all the men at the time... Um, in Genesis 6, um, before God sends the, um, the deluge, he said in 6, 3 to 4, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Therefore, uh, their days will be 120 
years. The Nephilim were on the earth on, in those days and, af, uh, and also afterward. And when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them, they were the heroes of old, men of renown. So there was something, someone called the Nephilim. So if you read Genesis 6, you might have discovered them. And you're going, who are they? Um, they are the people who are without spirit. And they lived in the time of Noah, but Noah was with spirit. He's a descendant of Seth, Adam, and then there is Nephilim. But the Nephilim all died in the flood. So there may be people who are giants, like Goliath later on, who may be described as like, he's one of the giants because of his large size. But since Noah, there is nobody without spirit. All of us instead have received spirit. So what are we? I am? Adam, I'm a living being. Say again, I'm a living being. I am a soul. Yes. So God then began to reveal himself more specifically through his servants called angels. I know we're kind of going through a little bit of heavy stuff in the Bible just to understand about the invisible God who made such effort to reveal himself through the history of the Bible. We're going to start with Abraham. Let's go to Genesis 18 verses 1 to 2. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up, saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. So here is Abraham meeting someone named the Lord. In English, L-O-R-D in cap letters, uh, but this is also um, Jehovah, the name of Jehovah. But of course, it's not specifically revealed until Exodus um, to Moses, but the Lord there is representing um, God. But then in verse 16, jump to 16, when the men got up to leave, they looked down toward Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. So there was the Lord, and there was, he was accompanied by two other, uh, two men. So the, when Abraham looked up, he saw how many men? Three. There you go. In verse two, verse two, it says three men. And then the three men were then invited to Abraham's home. Abraham fed them. One of them was called, what? The Lord. There you go. So how many again? Three. One of them is called? the Lord. Okay, good. And verse 16, all the men got up and then, um, they, they go separate ways. So two men leave for Sodom. So what's going to happen in Sodom? Anyone read that part in Genesis 19 yet? Yes. Destruction. You're like, oh yeah, I so easy. I'm not going to answer. What happens? Yeah. Sodom and Gomorrah burned down, right? Burned down by, um, uh, the sulfur, uh, burning sulfur fire. So these angels, these men are actually going to warn Lot, who is a nephew of Abraham. That's what we see in 19 verse one, 19, chapter 19, quickly, next chapter. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. So how many, what do we start with? Three men. One of them was called the Lord. And then how many leave for Sodom? Two. But in chapter 19, what are they called? Two angels. So who came to Abraham's home? Very good. So who came to, who came to Abraham's home? It was three angels. One of them happened to be named the Lord. The two of them went to Sodom to visit Lot's home to warn about the destruction that was coming the next day. So um, in the eyes of Abraham, they appeared as men, but these are angels. One of them coming in the name of the Lord in the Old Testament, the name of God. The Lord was what? Jehovah. You guys are so smart. All right. So then in Mo, uh, for Moses, quickly, let's go to Exodus 3, 2 to 5. 
I know we have to base it in the Bible because it's so important. We start off the new year knowing who God is and where our faith lies. And it is about the invisible God, according to the Bible. For chapter 3, verse 2. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look... God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. So very interesting in this passage, three different uh, pronouns or uh, nouns that refer to this person are used. First, it says the angel of the Lord. What name is that again? Jehovah. That's right. So the angel who's coming and doing working in the name of Jehovah was there. But then in verse three, it says the Lord saw Moses, but it also says God called him. What? talking about still one person doing all this and that is the angel of the lord the lord god all same person that is the god who manifests himself through the angel in the name of jehovah there you go so acts 7 35 and and 53 talked about that talking about the law that was given through moses to the people of israel says they were it was delivered by god himself through the angel who appeared to him in the bush through the angel who appeared to him in the bush in verse 53 says you have received the law that was given through angels so even though to the, this is a very theologically controversial topic, so people will get upset. Like, how dare you say Jehovah is an angel? But when you look at places like Acts 35, 53, which we don't have time to look at now, but it says there's an angel from the bush speaking to Moses. It was the angel who gave the law to, um, to Moses to be delivered to the people of Israel. So how do you work the d- discrepancies? We have to understand as it's, the, it's God who's revealing himself in the Old Testament, but it is through the angel in the name of? In the name of? God is invisible, for he is spirit. No one can see him ever. Therefore, God decided to reveal himself from the beginning. Amen? First, through the all creation. And through the, in the Old Testament, through the angel. In what name? That's right. So, the, to the people of Israel who are called by, uh, by the Lord in, 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 through the name of Jehovah, he gave them the law in the desert after the exodus um, from Egypt. And in chapter 20 of Exodus 3 to 4, it says, You shall not have... You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. So these are the first two commandments of the Ten Commandments. First is to not worship any other god. Second, what? Do not make an image. Because God has no image. Do not try to carve out image or paint pictures of God because that will be your idol. Right? So image means idol. But people are so visual, right? Uh, if we don't see anything with our physical eyes, people talk about uh, prisoners who are thrown into solitary confinement and, 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 and severe places like Alcatraz, uh, which is near San Francisco. You know, the very famous movie, Papillon, it's based on that. So it's like this um, island off of the, uh, of the coast and there's like a tower and there is a solitary confinement space where there is no light, and no sound. So when prisoners are thrown in there, it's a severe inhumane punishment. They're not even allowed, to, they can't even survive hours, but some people are thrown in there for like 29 days or something. So they're completely cut off with the sensory, auditory, or visual. So what happens is that what people will often call hallucination, but the brain actually starts to allow the person to see things. Because like, you just have to have some kind of stimulation and you start to see things when there's nothing going on. Right? So that is like how the human uh, brain works. And 
image is therefore, it's like almost human nature. We want to see things. We want to have things in front of us. And here's God saying, do not make an image because God has no image because he is who? The invisible one. What's the theme of today's sermon? The invisible one. Yes, because he's spirit. He is invisible. Here's an interesting thing, however. God commanded Moses to build a sanctuary in the desert in Exodus 25. And then later on, Solomon built the temple of Jerusalem based on that tabernacle. The sanctuary made up of the holy place and the most holy place. Many objects in the holy place, but the most holy place had only one object. What was it? The ark. You guys know the ark? Have you seen the ark? Have you seen Indiana Jones? Anyway, so the ark. As Indiana Jones uh, uh, showed the ark. And some people were like, there is the ark, the missing ark. Um, the ark is a box. And I talked about the poles last week. But today I'm going to talk about other part of the ark. So the ark had objects inside and then was covered with the atonement cover, also called the mercy seat. But above it, on each, each side, were figurines. Images. Of whom? There you go, angels. With what spread out? Wings. It's huge. So, like, based on the measurements and materials, they have models. Like, if you want to see, you can go to, if you have time and, and you can afford to go out, Lancaster um, has um, a tabernacle out there. They have a, a life size, a, you know, rep, replica, I guess, uh, to, to show. But you can see on Google Images. So, these are wing, uh, angels with wings spread out. So, the high priest, not, not anybody could go in there. It was only the high priest once a year with the blood of animal entering there to serve God, worship God. But what he saw was not God. What he saw was angels. Do you find this interesting? God said, do not make an image. But when you go into the place where God said, I will speak to you, I will meet with you. What do you see? Angels. Very interesting. Even the veil that separates the the holy place and the most holy place had images of angels. Yes. So to the people of Israel um, who knew God as having the name of Jehovah and uh, who had commanded them not to um, serve any other God uh, and not to make an image, to them, the closest thing they could imagine was angel. So therefore, the temple was very important. So when a man, a humble man, standing before the temple, claiming himself to be sent by God, the invisible one, what did he say that made the Jewish people very upset, especially the priests who served them there? Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Altogether, what did he say? How many days? What was he speaking of? What's the three days about? His death and his resurrection. What is he saying? He's, he's, he's prophesying his own death and his resurrection three days after. The temple of his body was what he was saying. He's going to be put to death by the hands of men. But this is all according to the plan of God. Because after his death, he will resurrect. And through his resurrected body, he will finally reveal the true image of God. Not as an angel, not through man even. Not in the name of Jehovah, but in the Father's name. In the Father's name. John 5, 43, in the Father's name, Yeshua, he will reveal not as an angel, but as the Son of God, as the Son of Man. That is why he came as man. The Word became flesh because of that. Do you believe that? The Word became flesh. God became flesh. The invisible God became flesh. That's why he called himself the Son of God and highlighting his flesh. That had a schedule to die. 
and only after his death, again, he will resurrect. And again, after his resurrection, he would reveal. As 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, the image of the invisible God. We, don't, we can't go there, we don't have time. But what does it say? The image of the invisible God. Philippians 2, 6 is the very nature God. Referring to the flesh of Yeshua. So what he's saying is destroy this place. Because it has the image, the only allowed, the only permitted image. That was the image of angels. Destroy it. Because now the image of the invisible God himself has come. He who was with God in the beginning. Oh, and then we have to go there in John 1. one. Let's go. I know we were like going past time, but we still have to look at it. John 1.1. 1, 1. Now understanding who God is up to this point. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Who was with God? The word was with God in the beginning. And verse 3 says, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So what is verse 3 saying? Who made all things? The word. There you go. In Greek it's ho. Logos. So Logos made all things. All things that we see, including the light that allows us to see all things. Whole Logos, the word made. And this word, who is the invisible God, who was, always is, and will be, became flesh. Verse 14 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He came from whom? The Father. That's why he kept saying, the one who sent me, the Father who sent me. I have come to do the will of him who sent me. It is the Father's will. So he was sent by the Father to reveal the image of the invisible God. Again, invisible God meaning God cannot be seen. God cannot be detected by our five senses. And we cannot even see him with our vis- with eyes. These eyes, the visible light can- does not reveal the invisible God. Cannot. But God had planned to reveal himself, though he is spirit, to become flesh. So the word became flesh, which means God became flesh. Spirit became flesh. Do you believe that? He is called, therefore, the son of man. And there was a time where um, he went up to mountain in Matthew 17. And it's referred to as the Mount of Transfiguration because it's a place where he transfigured. So his, he appeared differently, like momentarily. And he appeared Next to, well, next to him appeared two guys. Two guys? Two guys? Three guys. Well, three guys, okay. Is it five guys, the hamburger place? Five guys, three guys. Okay, so three guys. Again, three guys. So here's Yeshua transfigured. And then next to him were Moses and Elijah. Moses, Elijah. These are the pillars of the Old Testament. Pillars for the Jewish people. So they showed up. And the disciples, knowing the Bible, knowing who they are, and go, oh, wow. Let us make shelters for you to commemorate this moment. You are one of them. You're legit, Yeshua. You're one of them. So we got, we got it now. We understand. Now we understand. We're, we're doing the right thing following you because you're one of them. But then there was a voice saying, this is my son. The voice from heaven says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. By the time they heard that voice, they were trembling. They heard this like rumbling noise and they were so scared. And they saw the the Lord standing before them. The disciples saw the uh, Lord Yeshua standing before them. And there was no Moses, no Elijah, only Yeshua. 
only Yeshua. And that was the moment that from heaven, the Father God spoke and said, this is my son who has been sent to reveal and reveal, show the image of the invisible God. Hallelujah. Because God was not going to anymore reveal himself through the angels. He is not going to reveal himself through Moses or Elijah. Now he has sent his very own, his son, who's coming from the Father's bosom. The word who became flesh, the spirit who became flesh, the God, the invisible God has become visible in human form to fully be revealed. Hallelujah. Colossians 1.15 says the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Hebrews 1.3 says the son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. And that Romans 5.14 actually says he is a pattern. Adam was a pattern of the one to come. So Adam, our ancestor, was made in the pattern, in the image of the one who would come after Adam. So Adam refers to our ancestor, first Adam, all of us part of that first Adam. But then there will be another Adam coming later on. But he is actually the original form that in his original image we were made. Do you believe that? Even though he came 2,000 years ago and the first human was much, much older than that, it is in his image that we have been made. Hallelujah. So to reveal himself, God has been working this way historically. And therefore, Matthew 13, 17, the Lord said, For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it. To hear what you hear, but did not hear it. He also said in John 12, 45, The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. What did he say? The one who looks at me is seeing who? The one who sent me. Who sent him? The father, the invisible one. That's why when Philip says, show us the father. What did he say naturally in John 14, 9? You fool. You fool. You've been with me this long and you still don't believe me. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. This is why the Jews, the Jewish leaders at the time were so upset. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they were like, this is unacceptable. There's only one God and we're to only worship him and no image is allowed. The fact that Yeshua is referring to himself as the son of God, meaning he is God, saying he's another God. That God, God is now revealed in image and they're like, this is not allowed. Meanwhile, there's image in the temple, right? Of angel, they forgot. And that's why they were upset at Yeshua because he claimed himself to be God. And that's why they conspired to send him over to death. But as he died on the cross, Yeshua nailed to the cross, being treated like an animal. like a sinner, even like an animal. He let out his last word saying, it is finished. Because his death marked the moment of laying down his perfect life to die like man. He came like man so that he lived like man and it was for him to die like man. As he said in Matthew 20, 28, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve by giving his life as a ransom for many. He had all along the plan, the schedule in mind. He was well aware that he was going to have to lay down his life and he obeyed the father's command. He did, John 10, 18. This was a command he received from the Father. He had no intention to live a long life, to dwell on earth and build a home and have family. No, not at all. He was born. The word became flesh and dwell on earth that he himself made so that he would die. 
But only through his death, the death that is like of man, he would live again and be God. Reveal himself as the image of the invisible God forever and ever. Hallelujah. That's why he did not resist his death. He did not defend himself. Even though he came humbly as man, it was all within the plan of of the father who would raise him back to life to say, you are God. And through his death, what did he judge? He judged the origin of sin. The origin of sin is the angel that was made to serve God. Isaiah 14, 12 to 15, Ezekiel 28, 12 on, describes this archangel. An archangel is a leader of a group of angels, was made beautifully and with talent. He was given all that to serve God, but because of that, he became proud and he wanted to be like God. But God cast him out of the spiritual heaven where he was made and threw him down in the universe that will one day burn up as hell. Second Peter 3, 7, 8 says that. This present heavens and earth are reserved for the fire. Second Peter 3, 7. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment, the destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand, slowness. Jump to 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. This is speaking about the universe where we live right now. The visible world. The visible world was made to contain the fallen angels, the invisible beings. But all of this will one day burn up. To become that hell, that place of sin, where sin is burnt, and those who follow the origin of sin, the devil. So that fallen angel is called Satan, but same uh, person as the devil. All now to be thrown into this lake of fire called hell. That's where we live. This visible world is prepared to become hell. So when the Lord died, Yeshua died, he condemned our angel now. The re- only the day remains of his punishment. The day of punishment is remaining, but judgment has been made. But through his death, he paid the price of sin for all men in Adam. So as the last Adam, he died. Last Adam. His flesh is referred to the last Adam because it's a spirit that became flesh. And through his death, he paid the price of all sin. This is called redemption. Redemption is to die for sin. So paying the price of sin is through death. So he paid the price so that all men in him can be set free from the price of sin. How many of you believe in his redemption, in his redemptive work? When he died on the cross, Yeshua didn't die because of his own sin or that he died because of his, he was a sinner. But he died with my sin. How many of you believe that? But he also died shedding his precious blood. His blood is spirit. When the word became flesh, it also includes the word becoming blood. Say it with me. The word became flesh. The word became blood. Spirit became flesh. Spirit became blood. So when his flesh, that is the word, tore, because his flesh was 100% spirit, became 100% um, flesh. The blood is the same. The 100% spirit became 100% blood, but that is spirit blood. And it was 
they have two different functions. Death was to pay the price of sin for all men. Blood was shed for whosoever to hear and say, I believe and I welcome that blood into, not my flesh, but into my soul. Because it's spirit blood, it goes into spirit. How many of you know this blood? Have you received this blood? It is for such as us, people like us, souls like us, that he poured out his precious blood that is the word that became blood. Hallelujah! That blood that is spirit comes into spirit and gives life so that we are given chance to not just live this one life and be thrown into hell. But by believing, having received the life of God into our spirit, we have the chance to escape this burning universe. And enter heaven and see him face to face forever. Hallelujah. That's what he accomplished when he died. And just as he said in three days, he resurrected. He rose from the grave. And when he rose in his resurrected body, he appeared before his disciples. In Luke 24, 37 to 39, we see the disciples gathered in fear and the Lord appearing. They were startled and frightened. And they thought they were seeing a ghost because they saw Yeshua dying on the cross. It was a total death. Crucifixion is total death. You don't come back to life from that. So they assume it was a ghost because they believe in spiritual beings. They believe in angels, right? So when they saw Yeshua standing, they're like, it must be a ghost. We must be hallucinating. (laughs) Or that it's a ghost standing there. But the Lord said, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and Bones, as you see, I have. What did he say he has? Flesh and bones. Ghost does not have flesh and bones, but I have flesh and bones. It's like, wow, shocking. And then what does he, what does he say? Do you have anything to eat? Yeshua's getting in trouble for food, eating, eating with the wrong crowd and eating the wrong thing on the wrong day or whatever while he was alive. And here he's again asking for food. And then they brought him broiled fish and he ate. So what's that about? To show the realness, the realness of the body that has been resurrected. That his spiritual body, it does not mean the spiritual body needs food. It doesn't need food. Heaven is not a place where we eat. It is a place that is full of life. We don't need to eat. But it's described as having full of life. A river of water of life and the trees bearing fruits all throughout the year. All revealing the life of God. Full of life. But here's Yeshua saying, you think you're seeing a ghost. You're not. You're seeing real me. This realness, that this physical body that is the resurrected body. Spirit becoming the body. And let me show you that it's real by eating this food. So that they were witnesses. They became witnesses. They witnessed the physical, the complete, uh, completely real Resurrect the body of Yeshua that is the invisible God now being visible before their eyes. And Yeshua finally ascended to heaven, sat down on the throne as the Lamb of God who bears the marks of his death forever and ever. That's why Revelation 1.18 says, I'm the living one. I was dead. And now look, I'm alive for how long? Forever and ever. Hallelujah. So that God is no longer a concept. He is not in our heads. He is real. He's physical. Seated on the throne as the son of man, the lamb of God. Hallelujah. So when we go to heaven, can we see God, the creator? Now it's a tricky question, isn't it? I used to say we can't see God. The only one we see is the lamb of God. But hold on. Who is the lamb of God? He is the creator of the world. 
John 1, 3, we saw that through him all things were made. So yes, we will see the creator God seated on the throne. He is the face of the invisible God. He is the image of the invisible God. His name is Yeshua. How many of you want to go there and see the face of Yeshua? Can you imagine this? Can you imagine? We can't. We can't because we are creatures living in this created world. We are living a very short life in this very short, finite world. So how can we imagine living like God, with God, before his ever-presentness? But what the Lord says is, yes, you can. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit from the throne so that those who receive his blood, the spirit blood into their spirit, into their souls, that soul that was once the spirit that was once dead in sin can now now receive the life of God and have life in their spirit. How many of you received this life of God in the blood of Yeshua? Do you believe that? That you are alive now. You're made alive before the living God, Yeshua. Hallelujah. And you can receive the Holy Spirit, therefore. And if you have received the Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit allow you to believe? That he lives. That he exists. Even though I cannot see him. The spirit that I am, when I fill with the Holy Spirit, can see him. Amen? What does that mean? I see people. I see dead people. It's not that kind of seeing. No. It's the spirit uh, that I am. When I know myself as spirit, I've been trying to live myself as, live this life, my life as spiritual being, doing my best. And when the Holy Spirit works in me as I keep the word and obey the word and do the work for the spirit that I am, for God, who is spirit, for his name, the Holy Spirit fills me up. And I believe like I see him. Hallelujah. You had this experience before you couldn't believe, but now you believe. How can you believe? You didn't tell yourself a mantra and memorizing things. And I believe, I believe, I believe. And suddenly you believe. That's not how it happens. It's the Holy Spirit that allows us to believe in him who is invisible. He allows us to see him who is invisible. Amen. Romans eight twenty three to 25 says, we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. How do we wait for it? Patiently. And what are we waiting for? What the Holy Spirit teaches us and lets us believe and therefore live for that dream is finally see the face, the image of the invisible God. That is, the invisible God, invisible God who became visible. So that God, who is spirit, can now be seen. That I have a chance to go before him and see him face to face when he returns. And as we read in Second Peter there, it says, well, where is this coming? It's been thousands of years since Yeshua died and resurrected, supposedly resurrected, supposedly ascended. Where is his return? Yes, it's been 2,000 years. But don't forget, to God, a thousand years is like a? And a day is like a? You talk to your grandma and grandpa, they're going to say something similar too. Last 60 years went by like six years. And you're like, you're saying that because you're so old. Yeah, because when you're little, it's like, I told you, I thought when you turn 40, you die. But it didn't happen to me. <laughs> I thought you turn 40 and you just go, ah, and then you die. It's over. 
but I guess, thank God, I'm alive. Yeah? So you don't, so when you're young, you don't have a concept. Like anybody would, as Aaron used to say, like lines on your face. It's just like, they're going to die anytime. And death is such a foreign concept. But we will die one day. One day we will all die. And we don't go in the order that we came in. I've been to funeral for a 16-year-old who got shot, I remember, many years ago. And a, a, I think he was 15 when he hit, got hit by a car. I remember it was like a church family. We had to do funeral for these young people. Certainly we have been to a funeral for people who are 50s, the 60s, 70s. But unexpectedly, even teenagers die. So we don't know when we're going to go. But we know that we live this one life. While we live one life, we have to remember our hope is not in what we see, but our hope is in what we don't see. And that is the day the Lord will come as he promises and he will come. He is coming back. He is returning. Amen. And he is returning to those who are waiting for his coming. Not sitting there waiting, but living each and every day before the one who sees all because he is spirit. He is present. He exists. Even though one cannot see him with naked eye, believing him as though he sees and living each and every day. Therefore, the Lord will appear before such believers. And he is not coming back to bear sin and shame. But he is coming back as the King of kings, the Lord of all. In all glory, he is coming back. Let's go to Second Corinthians four sixteen to 8. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let's read that again, 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Because there is spirit inside my flesh. I receive the blood of Yeshua, the life of God into the spirit. Into the spirit inside this flesh. And this spirit, as the Bible reminds us over and over again, is the body. It is the part of us that will become the body through resurrection. So that resurrection described in 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 53, in verse 52, it says, In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, and at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable. We will be changed, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. So the spirit, that it, the blood of Yeshua that is spirit, inside my spirit, will become inside of my flesh here, will become the body. This spirit will become the body. But until then, it has to grow. Just like a baby has to grow to come out just in time, the nine months of, of the pregnancy of the mom, it has to grow. It has to come to full term to be born a healthy baby. Right? So it's like, it has to, just like the, the chick inside the chicken, the egg, for 21 days, it has to grow into full chick. And then it cracks its own shell to come out, to be a healthy chick. So for us to be ready to come out in the resurrected body, I have to endure and be patient and wait patiently, living each and every day, enduring and persevering, waiting patiently. So the Christian is someone who, ha- who understands and who knows that he has received the blood of Yeshua into his soul. And therefore... A Christian is someone who, a true, I'm talking about a true Christian, 
A true Christian, a real Christian is someone who can confidently say, even though I have not seen Yeshua with my naked eyes, I believe that he lives. Even though I have not seen him with my eyes, I love him. And I don't just love him on Sunday singing songs and sitting and saying amen to the sermon. But I love him every day and that's why I follow his word and obey his command. 1 Peter 1, 8-9 says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Even though we have not seen him once receiving the Holy Spirit, we start to believe and believe and believe. Everywhere I read in the Bible, instead of doubt rising, I have faith growing and growing and growing. How many of you have this experience? It is only by the Holy Spirit this is possible. The Holy Spirit allows us to believe what we do not see. And we believe in him and to the point of loving him. So when temptation may come, hardship may come, even to the point of being... Down to poverty or in isolation and being humiliated by my family, by the loved one, by my friends and the world. And even death. I continue. I can continue to love him and love him and love him to death. That is the ancestor. Those are the ancestors of our faith. The early Christians, they were those souls who loved the Lord to death. They did not fear death. They did not shy away from torture because they loved the Lord. Even though we have never seen Yeshua, how is it that we could love him and we could love him more and more? The man who once lived and died 2,000 years ago. And the Bible says he resurrected and ascended to heaven. I was not there. We were not there. But how is it that my whole life can now turn around and be focused on him? How is it that I can lay down my dreams and my plans? What I wanted to do for my flesh and my family. I'm saying no, no, no. And, and obeying him and sacrificing my time. Laying down my treasures and my hopes. Laying down my worldly things and worldly dreams and, and pleasures of the flesh. Because of the Lord who is unseen. But yet, yet I believe him. I believe that he lives. I believe him and I love him. How is that possible? This is by faith. By faith, this is possible. This is the power of faith. So what do I need? I need faith. The faith that believes in the invisible one. Do you want faith? Do you think you need faith? Revelation 3.18 says, if you don't have that faith... Buy a salve and put on your eyes so you can see. Open my eyes because my eyes are so open to worldly things. So open to who's doing what on, this, on social media. But I am so blind to spiritual things. I don't see you. I don't see, I don't see the spiritual heaven. I don't see heaven, the thrones. I don't even see myself as soul most of the time. If that's you. Pray and seek his mercy to put salve over your eyes so that you may open your eyes to see the invisible one and start living like it. Once a week you feel like it and when you're hearing the preacher going all excited and like, amen, Yeshua. But come Monday morning you live just like your neighbor, just like your co-workers who are worldly unbelievers. Where's your faith? What do you believe? 
How can you even say that you're enduring when you can't even say no to the pleasure of your flesh? And your flesh is, I want to rest. I want to go on vacation with my family and just relax. Why can't I just do that? Relax, relax like everyone else. Why would I have to keep on going? Is COJ the only place? I could worship elsewhere too. Think about that. How you're applying the word in your life. You can't even give up a night of the week to come and pray together. And you say, amen, hallelujah, I love the Lord. Does that make sense? What is faith? Do you have the faith that believes in the invisible one? Even if everyone calls you crazy and they hate you for it. Even your loved one says, how can you always like leave us? You don't spend enough time with us. Because I believe in the invisible one. I believe in him and I love him. I want to do what he wants me to do. That is to obey his word and carry out his command, gather in his name, to gather into the church, to pray, to worship, to serve. Not what your heart desires. That's religiosity. That's false God. It has to be based on the word of God. And that is saying no to carnal desires, fleshly desires. It is enduring and persevering through humiliation. And at times you are facing with injustice. You are being wronged because of your faith. And even that you have to persevere. Not like I'm going to sue you. Oh yeah, I'm going to beat you up. You hit me, I'm going to return that fist and that punch. As Christians who are looking forward to that day of seeing the invisible one being visualized completely physical before my eyes, I need to endure that. That's the Christian way. Patiently waiting is what we need for fruit to be born, to be, to be bared, to be had. I need to wait patiently through my prayer. So even if the answer is not coming right away, I need to be on my knees every day and say, though I don't see you, you are seated on the throne. Even though I don't see you with my naked eyes, you see me. Even though I don't hear you, you hear me. So hear my prayer, Father. Hear my voice. Answer my prayer. I know you are there and you see me and you hear me. With that heart and we are enduring through the prayer life every day and we are gathered here on the Lord's Day once a week to start the week as members of the body, the church. You could be elsewhere. You could even go to another church. But you come here because you belong here. And you come here because you can certainly be filled with the Holy Spirit. And experience and be confirmed that you are souls made alive by the blood of Yeshua. And here you experience the presentness of the living God. The invisible one. Amen. So the Lord's day is what we prepare for every single day of our life. Not like oh it's something that I have to do. Oh no. I could, like, do I have to go? This is what we live for. Each, this is a song, like you said, I live to worship. I live to worship. Every day I have to prepare for the success of worship on this day. And then if my five senses, these physical senses of seeing and hearing and touching and eating and smelling is pulling me away from the most spiritual hour of worship, it would be better off if I were blinded. It would be better off if I were maimed. And not feel these things. And not do these things according to my fleshly senses. That's why we are trying all that we can to fast. To withdraw from food. And withdraw from the phone. And focus on the word. Do you see what we're doing here? To apply into our lives. Because we are so easily 
tempted and exposed and to the senses. Everything is about being stimulated physically. I want to do this. I want to go there. I want to see this. I want to have this and all of the, all this, all this. And if you still haven't changed, you're not a spiritual man. You may be putting up the religious face and it's like, yeah, I'm spiritual. But you still have not given up these fleshly things. You may be fooling everyone else, including me, the, the spiritual leader, but you can't fool God. So ask yourself, am I living each day before the invisible God who has commanded me to live according to him, his ways, his command, and I'm doing it patiently, even though your body might say, oh, it's tiring. Friday night, long week. I don't want to go to church to pray. It's still late. I want to go out and eat dinner and then relax and go to bed, go to a movie and just chillax. That's what your body says. Your flesh, your human senses say. But what are you listening to? Your physical sense or your spiritual sense? When I'm coming in the Lord's Day worship, this with the highest, the, the maximum, the highest of my spiritual sense by the Holy Spirit. That's why I need to work very hard. That's why I need to get to come to the gatherings, whether it's regional group or evangelism and with age group, whatever it is, I need to do my best to be reminded I'm a spiritual being. I'm a soul, I'm a soul, I'm a soul, I'm a soul. Because nowhere else are you going to hear that in the world. Even your mama won't tell you, your husband, your wife won't tell you that. If they're not a believers, if they're not spiritual. So that's why on the Lord's day, you are constantly reminding your soul, your soul, your soul. What you see, what you feel, this flesh is going to go. It is going by so fast. Sign of aging is like you hear more people that you know who die. Right? That's sign of aging. Because you know more people as you get older. And that they're getting older like you. And they're dying off. Dying off. And you're next. It's not just like your grandma and grandpa, uncle, or even your parents. But you're next. I'm next. So then, if I know that is what's coming, and oh, that's why I need to live ambitiously. I want to do this. I want to do that. And then what? And then what? These eyes that are open and feeling the reality of the physical world. And for that, you pursue fame and pursue success for promotion and high pay. And, and so that my family can live comfortably in a bigger place, a better place, and relax and enjoy life. And then at the end, what? You've done nothing for your soul. And that soul will never be brought before the living one, the invisible one. Therefore, I need to be patient like a farmer is patient after he sows. As James 5, 7 says, be patient then brothers and sisters until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. The Lord's coming is near. Yes, so out of all the things that we do, prayer is very difficult because everything else is very external. Other people see me do it. So it could be very motivating and inspiring. But prayer, like nobody sees, especially if you come in the dark. Nobody sees. I mean, though I hear some people's voice, I know who they are. Like, okay, they, oh, he's here, she's here. So I, besides, we don't see. So it's me and God. So I'm coming cold and it's early in the morning or late and I'm coming and I'm, I'm on my knees. But this is my commitment. My determination is live this day as a soul before the invisible one whom I believe he lives. And it is me, the soul, that is saying, I want nothing else. I want no one else but you. Ask yourself. Your flesh may want so many things. But yourself, your true self, your soul, wants only one thing. It's to see the face of the Lord. It's to see the face of Yeshua. That's it. 
to see him in the hour of worship, to see him in the hour of prayer, and then finally see him face to face in his house in heaven. So let us, as we begin the new year, examine our faith. Where does my faith stand? I need more faith, Lord. Have mercy on me and open my eyes. Let's pray. Let's close our eyes. I want us to realize that one day, that one day is coming when we will close our eyes for the last time. You may think that day is like decades away from your life right now, but don't be sure. And when I open my eyes after that final closure, it's either going to be before the invisible one or in hell. Where do I want to be? I, the soul, where do I want to be? I, the soul, what do I want? What is my dream? My dream, my wonderful dream is to see the face of my wonderful Lord, my Lord and my Savior, our Father, our Redeemer. Until that dream comes true, let me not get distracted. Let me not get discouraged by what I sense with my physical body. Instead, let my spiritual sense come alive and let my life be driven by the spiritual sense, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeshua!